Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing game. spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game winner got it. Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Sandos in the sidekick Friday edition. It's the weekend eve, because tomorrow is Saturday, doubleheader day on the network. 1.30 pregame show, ETSU versus UNCG on the women's side. Two o'clock tip, and then we'll have a makeshift sort of half post, half pregame as we get you ready for ETSU men's basketball. 4.30 down to Macon, Georgia. 4.30-ish because there's a doubleheader down there on the court. So a little bit of uh, uh, playing with time and seeing how it works. But either way, we will have the complete game of ETSU women's basketball and the complete game of ETSU men's basketball. We're going to recap the big win women's over Western Carolina last night. We'll talk about the preview for women's basketball against uncg the men make it ho-hum 10 in a row versus chattanooga and then they'll take on the mercer bears in which they'll try to avenge the loss from 10 11 days ago would you call tomorrow a twilight doubleheader i don't know i think they're no. both afternoon i think they're both i think i think you got to get a, a an afternoon one two three and then get like a seven eight nine start time you got to have there's got to be good separation where you have to go completely off air can you just say Twinite for me, please? Twinite. I just love night. saying and hearing Twinite. The Twinite doubleheader. I yeah. love it. Yeah. One of your very few good things. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty common baseball term. I just, uh, the I've heard Twilight and Night by itself. The Twinite? But I enjoy the, the Twinite. I just heard Split doubleheader. That's the only thing I've heard until you said Twinite. But clearly I have caught yeah. on, yeah. enjoyed it, and yeah. probably overused it. Joe Cligamero used to say it all the time. I got it from Joe. I'm Attaboy beating Joe. it to death. Who's Joe all right, what do we do? What, oh, my gosh. He's in the mob. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like he's killed by people. I cannot believe you hate broadcasting enough. You don't know who that is. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. It's very disheartening. Whoops. You're just Let's move on. Now you've derailed the whole thing. All right. What are we talking about? Who, 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 well, who, well, women, big win, men. What do we go? What do we go? What do we go? Fresh on my mind, I think, is the women's basketball game last night because they just went bonkers. I mean, absolutely went bonkers. It started early, what, a 12 nothing run uh, to get things going. A couple of threes by Lee Stafford. I think Amaya Adams started the game off. Some free throws and Micah Sheets layup. It was like 12 nothing ETSU. And they went on just to put the hammer down. A career day for Lee Stafford. Three players and double figures. Throw a double-double in there somewhere. And, I mean, it was just an unbelievable. And he only has seven players. But an unbelievable night. 29 for Stafford. 18 and 15 for Shania Jackson, including 11 and 12 from the line. 13 points, Micah Sheets, and just all seven players contributed. Let me ask you this. Have you seen a more efficient performance than 18 points on five shots? That's what Shania Jackson that, had. That's, that's a very you know, incredible ratio. And we're going to talk about what I thought was a very efficient day for Georgie Dimitrievich in the next segment, but that was clearly trumped by Shania Jackson's day. 11 to 12 from the line. Just five shots, hit three of them, and yes, finished with almost 20 points. That's pretty impressive. It's not often that Micah Sheets can get overshadowed by three different people on her team, especially when you only have seven players to trot out to the court. Your only subs were Sierra Perdue and Gabby Brown, and I don't think that I'm out of line here or stepping past any boundary or anything like that when I say that if this team was healthy and had – it's full allotment of players they started the season with and perhaps got the waiver cleared for Micaiah Dowdell. I'm not sure Sierra Purdue and Gabby Brown are playing much, if at all. Uh, now, I admire what Gabby and Sierra have done in more minutes than I'm sure coming into the year they thought they would get, and Brittany Azell thought they would probably get as well. They've made the most of them. They were the only two subs last night. They provided some value minutes and honestly were two of the seven that helped ETSU get over the finish line and make it such a wire-to-wire dominant performance because Western Carolina did make a little bit of a run in that second quarter. It was a 20-point game after one, and like I said, this is just pure dominance from the get. 
but it was 28 to 8 after one then it was 32 to 20 kind of midway through that second quarter and you're starting to get that pit in your stomach you know starting to itch your arm a little bit and just say oh boy I'm getting a little nervous I start to bite your nails if you're someone that takes out their nervousness that way uh, whatever your vice is you're probably starting it right around that point but give ETSU credit because they smacked back and they got their lead back up to 18 by halftime 45 points in the first half there are most points in a single half all year long so again I give Gabby and Sierra credit but going into last night knowing those were your only two subs I was nervous before the game got started and I was also one of the people that was nervous when the Bucks were up by 12 but everyone that could contribute did contribute and many of them in unprecedented ways for their statistical lines Kaya Upton career high in assists with nine Shania Jackson, you mentioned, 18 points, 15 rebounds. She's now got two double-doubles in the last few games after no double-doubles the first year and a half in her time as a buck. 15 rebounds, a career high. And Elise Stafford, a couple of late threes. She had 23 points, but then she goes, uh, not back-to-back, but two threes in the final couple of minutes to be able to get to 29, her previous career high, 23. Races past that, and on 11-17 from the field, nearly hits 30. Uh, she led the way. This is the most points ETSU has had in a regulation game against a Division One opponent all year. You kind of throw out that Chattanooga game, right, because you go triple overtime. It was 59-59 to after regulation. So uh, really just very encouraged and very happy to see a complete game be put together because that's what I think ETSU has been missing. So often it's been a quarter, sometimes two, sometimes three, where the Bucks have struggled, and more often than not, that's bit them in the rear end. This time, for all four quarters, they were together, 17 assists on 23 field goals. They defended, forcing Western Carolina into 22 turnovers, and for the first time all-conference season, they were prolific at the line again, returning to their form from the non-conference where they made 20-plus free throws six times, hadn't done that all-conference season, 20 of 23 last night at the stripe. Jill Smalls had five points. Yep. I think that's the one thing that, that you, as you were talking defense, I, I thought you were going to blurt that stat out. To me, that that was impressive. They got her in foul trouble early, right? They got a couple quick fouls, never really got in a game. And considering ETSU only had seven players, West Carolina really only had nine. It's not like they had a plethora of folks uh, sitting in the wings to get in the game as well. And uh, a couple of players fouled out for them. They finished with just seven bodies, and Smalls had four fouls. So I thought just a tremendous start to the game. And then there's always that, will they, is there a lull where they take the foot off the gas? And they didn't. And that was impressive to me last night to see how they were able to continue that going to Kyle Upton's day. <coughs> you know, the nine assists were unbelievable. I can't believe we couldn't find her another assist somewhere. I blame Bush for that. But what well, you're sitting there, and everybody – came in and did something even though my uh my adams only had two points it was the first two of the game i mean she still did things to help the team go and to win same thing with gabby brown and sierra purdue i mean everybody that went in there had to play minutes did the unfortunate thing is it was some point in time you're like boy you wish you had more bench for a couple of reasons but mainly because you're like man last five ten minutes of this game is there not a way to maybe get you know sheets and uh, Stafford and Upton just some time off, right? Just just let them stop running up and down the floor and get some uh, worthless miles um, on the tread there because simply, you know, they're going to have to turn around and play again on Saturday. And, and you know, it seemed like they didn't take the foot off the gas. They kept going and going and going. But you still have to worry about towards the end of the year how do all these miles add up for ETSU. The other thing I would say is I, I still know nothing about the league. Yeah, absolutely. Some strange results last night. I mean, I thought Western – I mean, is it weird that ETSU blew out Western? Absolutely not. I mean, I think it's something – was I going to sit here and predict it before the game? No. No, I wasn't. But I, I just – Especially thought, with seven, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, hey, ETSU, you know, seven, ten-point win, be great, get out of Dodge, right? But to, to have a big blowout like that and then to check the other scores where pretty much all the other top teams, all the other teams with a better record lost – Furman goes to Sanford and wins handily. Chattanooga at home beats UNCG handily. And Mercer Strange. shows sign of life Don't beats Wofford. And so then you're looking at the standings and you're going – and, again, I, I've had people kind of challenge my, you know, really one through six or one through seven comment. But you look at the standings right now, Sanford six and two. Four other teams are tied for second. And you just had the number seven team beat one of those teams that was tied for second to your point. I, I mean – UNCG, Furman, Wofford, Chattanooga, all five and three. ETSU, three and five. Mercer, two and six. And with ETSU playing UNCG and still to play Furman, Wofford, Sanford still on the schedule, plus chat, 
I mean, it's not out of the, the realm of possibility again that you, that the women's team could get on a hot streak, make a run. It's really not out of the realm of Mercer to get a hot streak. and go. It's unbelievable how evenly matched and yet no dominant teams in the women's side of the pool is. So you almost, for Brittany Azelli, always hear her talk about, she did the coaches show this past week, does with me in pregame shows, postgame shows. The only thing consistent about her team is that they've been inconsistent. That's the whole league. I mean, it's obviously ETSU, specifically in terms of personnel, right? That's been the thing this year is that there just haven't been nights really where you've had 10, 11, 12 people to be able to trot to the floor, specifically last night with Ty Kimbrough, a late scratch because of an illness. Jada Craig, maybe out this Saturday as well, tomorrow against UNCG because of that quad injury that she uh, re-injured, aggravated uh, last game against Chattanooga. And then Ariel Harvey, we know, is going to be out for at least a few more weeks. So Kimbrough and Craig up in the air, but at the most you're going to have nine, had seven last night. But you look around the league and the results, while personnel may be pretty similar for some of these teams, while it isn't for ETSU, the results are consistently inconsistent. Mercer puts up 40 against Western Carolina. Western Carolina snaps their 26-game conference losing streak to the two-time defending conference champions who, granted, are struggling this year, but then they turn around and look exactly like the two-time defending Southern Conference champions. What ETSU needs to do to make this run is get healthy, right? They need Ty Kimbrough, and I know things looked fantastic last night. You're not always going to get career nights from three separate people that are not named Micah Sheets, right? Micah, once again, got to double figures. Granted, it wasn't her prettiest offensive performance, 5 of 18 from the floor, but got to 13 points, 22 consecutive games now with double digits in scoring. Uh, Shania was great. Kaya was great. And Elise, also fantastic. You can't always count on that. So you just have to have the numbers. And you mentioned it. I mean, 38 more minutes for Micah, 38 for Kaya. And Micah, we already know, is not the most healthy person coming into this season with a compartment surgery she had in her leg uh, in that calf area before the season. Now, Kaya, I give her so much credit because she rarely to ever has shown – any sign of breaking down or not being able to be out there for what the full 40 full or full 55 in some cases in that Chattanooga triple overtime game um and Elise I mean she seems pretty bulletproof as well so you can rely on those players but eventually they're going to have off nights and the closer you get to the end of the season like you talked about and this is just odds talking here this is not any wish or any inside information that anything like this may happen but the closer you get to the end of the season the more minutes are on the legs the closer you feel like someone is to breaking down, regardless of how solid they look to this point. All it takes is, you know, twist of an ankle, um, clatter of a knee, whatever the case may be. That being said, uh, didn't see any signs of that last night. Everybody looked extremely solid. We hope nothing like that happens going forward because that is as good as ETSU has looked all year, and it was such an important one to get because of who's coming up with the top four teams in the league heading into last night, the next four on their schedule. Yeah, I... I... I think it's again they're in a critical stretch where if they got hot, you you just don't know right because when they play, and again I I know there was a couple of career things going on in that game, but when all five starters can produce, and again I realize it was an extremely high level versus um, what's not been the very good team in the Southern Conference the last three years, so I'm not trying to overdo it here, but I feel like if the starters can give you quality effort that night and just not disappear and not get in foul trouble, not go two for 11 or anything crazy like that, then I think ETSU women have a great opportunity to make a run in this. One more thing before we move on to UNCG and preview that. The three games outside of Jewel Small's (laughs) 32-point outlier, I'd say, against ETSU last year in Brooks Gym, she's gone six for 19 from the floor, three of 17 from the floor, And last night, two of eight from the floor. And in those games is a combined, let me do some quick math, uh, two of 20 from beyond the arc. Mm. She has really struggled offensively. Now, she's playing the four this year, which is tough for someone that size, really built more like a guard. And obviously, we saw last year, the Southern Conference Freshman of the Year, can do great things when she's in the position that she's played a lot of her career. But because... Western is devoid of almost any size at all, really. I mean, their tallest player on the roster that plays at all is six feet, and they are running sometimes six or seven out to the floor uh, on a night-by-night basis. But they've kind of been by necessity forced to put her in that position, and that's really hurt her offensive game. That being said, give ETSU a lot of credit because their game plan devised to stop her each time they come up against her has been brilliant. 
I totally agree. I think they've done a great job, but and you know the I. I think just execution, right? It's it's really I think game plan wise, I've not seen this year a game plan where it's like, mm, what are we doing? You know, it's it's just can you execute? Can you can the right people be on the floor? Do they understand everything? I think the the team wise, I think they there's a little bit of an understanding. I think the basketball IQ for most of the ladies on the team is there, and I think they understand. Here's the scouting report. Here's the game plan. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. I just feel like there's a lot of times where the execution portion of it has not been great for ETSU, and I have a feeling um, that that could dictate a lot of it, too. And some of it, again, you know, is it fatigue? Is it a bunch of other things? Is it just early on in the season trying to press too much? Turn the page, UNCG, perfect example. Game plan was fine against UNCG once ETSU woke up, right? I mean, once the first 10 minutes was over and you kind of shook off the, the cobwebs of, you know, what bus just hit us, then ETSU was fine the rest of the way. I think coming out and getting off to a hot start in the contest against West Carolina, now can they carry that mic and get off to a quick hot start versus UNCG just to avoid what happened to them in the first meeting? Well, I'll say this. I was very, and this is going to sound stupid, right? I was very impressed with UNCG those first 10 minutes against ETSU in both teams' league opener about four weeks ago, right around a month ago uh, at this point, um, and then I just wasn't the next three quarters and that makes sense right because the box as you said put forth better efforts in the second third and fourth only outscored by two over those three quarters after it was 24 to 10 at the end of the first but the thing that really got uncg going on the offensive end wasn't anything they did in the half court it wasn't any sets it wasn't any motion it wasn't any pre-planned design scheme thing that the spartans were doing it was simply get out in the open floor and run and it seemed like they made a conscious effort of doing that in that first quarter and then just kind of packed it in and they could ETSU did make a couple of runs in that game got it to single digits a few times but every time they would make a run UNCG had an answer and they ended up holding the Bucks to 47 points what the Bucks have to do in this game and this is way easier said sitting here in the studio than done tomorrow at Brooks Gym 2 o'clock Buccaneer Sports Network 1.30 pregame front end of that double header that we talked about just a bit earlier in the broadcast but they have to make sure that they hold on to the ball and take care of it and they've actually done pretty well at that over the last number of games and for the majority of this season um, even when you do hang on to the ball and get a shot up it is vital to get back against this uncg team and quickly because they're not afraid to throw the home run pass over the top and just launch 170 or 80 feet and think that they have the athletes to go get that pass if there's a crowd back there they once in a while will just throw it up and with someone like nadine solomon as obviously the main athlete and one of the best players in this southern conference maybe the southern conference player of the year averaging uh, 16 points per game and seven rebounds as well with personnel like she and uh, Asia Boyd is another spectacular p- player 6-2 um, redshirt junior forward uh, you've got some size and you've got some athleticism so when they get in that mode they can be tough to stop because they'll take some chances and a lot of times against teams in the SoCon, they have the size and athleticism to just outbody you. And that's what they did in that first quarter against DTSU. So got to be able to hold on to the ball. Uh, obviously, you're going to be shorthanded again, as the Bucks are the rest of the season. Whether you have Ty Kimbrough or not, I'm not sure. Uh, that seemed like it was a temporary thing in terms of her illness. So the odds of her playing tomorrow, I'd say, are pretty good. That being said, anything can happen with an illness, and there's seems like four or five different illnesses going around. You've got one that I've never even heard of. And then there's the other ones that are out there that are more common, like the flu and uh, coronavirus and such, uh, You know, the more serious ones, obviously. But with all of the different things going on, who knows? It, it can be very up in the air. But that's my key, is just making sure that you stop those over-the-top home run passes, get back on defense, and hold on to the ball. You know, you look at Twitty and Solomon and, they, and even Boyd, right, Aja Boyd, they – seem to be just phenomenal a couple of them are double double machines all of them seem to be able to score the basketball it seems like that those three really carry the load right you look statistically speaking they're the the top three i think if etsu can slow down one stop one like basically okay let's you know if 20 and solomon combine for 53 
yeah, that's going to be tough to beat. I get that. But I think, you know, if you can hold one of them to single digits, take them out of the game, do whatever you can, and make the other two try to score 50 on you combined, then I think there's a great shot for ETSU. The other thing, I think getting the free throw line, exactly what they did last game, if they can try to pound the basketball inside, try to get some advantage, try to pick up easy points, right, that can easily – um, add to the scoreboard when nobody's defending you, you're shooting free throws. I think getting the free throw line and slowing down Twitty or Solomon specifically, but certainly if they took Boyd completely out of the game, I'd be fine with that too. But I think they need to um, try to make sure that it's it's one or two people trying to beat them and not three. This being the league that it is, this UNCG team hasn't really been dominant. They won their first four in the conference, but since then they've lost three of their last four, and some of the issue has been they're just having trouble scoring, which is strange considering you do have the Boyds, the Twitties, and the Solomons, who are the three that hurt ETSU in the first game that these two played, but 42 against Sanford. And, and this isn't the Sanford team that will lock you down and play that Princeton drain-the-clock type offense and, and even defense and try and hold you to 50 and just get to 51 to try and win. 42 points, that is meager at best and then the 59 points against Chattanooga against Wofford 61 you know that's not terrible uh, they did put up 67 on Mercer but really the last two games averaging 50 points per game even in that win over Western Carolina and the one over Chattanooga before that uh, in mid-January 54 and 49 I mean those are pretty soft numbers offensively that being said and I'll ask you this do you think that statistics are indicative of success I do. Okay. I do. I, I, I really do. And I know sometimes stats lie, but I really feel like given a sample size, and I know I'm not I'm not 100% analytics end-all, be-all, but I do believe given enough sample size, and I think you knew I was going to answer that way because you know some of the weird stats I keep up with and try to figure out. But. Well, I'll give you some surface stats because if you believe that stats are indicative of success, then you believe that UNCG is going to emerge from this pack as a conference champion because they're number one in the league in scoring defense scoring margin, free throw percentage, field goal percentage, defense, as well as rebounding margin. So that's on the defensive end, offensive end, and those Is that conference areas. only? No, that's over the entire course yeah, of the what, season. What about conference only? Just, well, don't put me on the spot like that. Just, uh, <laughs> well, I just, I, I'm, I'm just curious because – and I will say this. I've looked at UNCG's schedule. They didn't play the Sisters of the Poor either. Um, so, but I'm curious – where they scoring defense, at. UNCG number one, free throw percentage number two, field goal percentage defense number one, and rebounding margin a bit further down there. Their offensive numbers are a bit down. Um, Scoring-wise, they're down like seven or eight points per game. So offense is really the thing in the conference, as we were talking about, that has f- fallen off a bit. And the reason I include the entire season, and now maybe you can poke holes in this because we look at the conference stats, and they do uh, reveal a few flaws offensively, but there weren't a lot of teams in this league outside of, say, an ETSU that had you know Wake Forest and uh, the teams that they played that are top-end, Georgia Tech. Uh, there weren't a lot of teams in this league that didn't schedule a few 91s and boosted their stats. So I think it's pretty similar across the board. Certainly defensively, UNCG has been able to uphold in conference play, but offensively there have been some flaws shown. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think there's merit in looking at both, right? Uh, I think sometimes the conference only can give you a little bit more for sure you know what type of competition are playing, right? I mean, especially when they made it one time through the league, everyone's been able to play everybody. The other thing is that everybody in the league sort of knows what to do or at least have tried to defend you in the past. So I think that gives you a good indication of where they are. But still – the numbers for UNCG struggling offensively. I don't know if as the season's gone along, people have picked up on different things or if UNCG just isn't as efficient as they were early in their season. It could be a mix of both. The main thing that they're still doing well offensively, shooting the ball well at the free throw line, 78% second in the league. So to not foul, good defense without fouling, as we would often say, one of the big keys with this team and just good basketball in general. All right, women's basketball, 2 o'clock tip. UNCG ETSU will talk ETSU's ho-home win over Chattanooga again. It's just what they do 10 times in a row. And we'll preview their game against Mercer after this time out. Send no sidekick, Buccaneer Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. 
Sandus and a sidekick back with you. It's Jay and Mike. We're talking ETSU men's basketball as the Bucks went to Chattanooga. Struggled a little bit in the first half, man, because Chattanooga shot the lights out. Then ETSU in the second half did what they did, put a stranglehold on them, and led to a 16-point win in front of 10, 12 groups of fans. You're saying there were more points for ETSU than there were fans in the building? There's not a lot of, a lot of people there. And a little unfair to have it on Wednesday, I think, because ETSU clearly would have brought more people down. The weather, it was, I will say, it was raining sideways really ridiculously the whole day. It was very dangerous. There were several wrecks. It was a horrific wreck on the way there. There was two awful wrecks on the way back. It was not a good day uh, to be out. And so you can give a little bit of a Hey, you know, unless you're really, really, really dedicated to go to Wednesday night basketball game, staying in and watching it may not have been a bad idea. And I'd also probably went into the thinking of, do I want to watch them lose for the tenth straight time? I'm sure it's what all Chattanooga fans were thinking. Why? You would watch drive us across get beat the like country. You would drive across the country to see Chattanooga. I didn't have any issues ten times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, impressive win, eighty to sixty-four. Better believe, and this is the comparison you made on Wednesday. I think I was hoping when I saw a tweet yesterday from I think it was Billis about Duke North Carolina you were like well you wouldn't have Duke North Carolina on Wednesday how are you going to have ETSU and Chattanooga on Wednesday which you know you can debate a lot of aspects of that but I was hoping when I saw it Thursday morning that there was indeed that night Billis was previewing the it's, night it's this Saturday, Saturday. It's this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I, looked, I, knew it. I looked at six, six o'clock right in prime time right how you said it would be unfortunately for uh, me wanting to destroy any logic that you bring to the show uh, but you're right on that that's a six o'clock on a Saturday ETSU on a Wednesday the disrespect they did not care the second half they put up 51 points 80 to 64 the final I, th- I just think they're very hard to beat when you have the total team effort that you saw on that Wednesday night at the Roundhouse in front of what they say was 2,823 fans. 18 from Trey Boyd, 16 from Bo Hodges, a double-double from Davian Williamson, 14 points, 10 assists, his first career double-double, if my memory serves. Isaiah Tisdale, 11 points, along with, of course, stat stuffing, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, a little bit of everything. Lucas Goussaint, and you foreshadowed this on the show on Wednesday. You said, for whatever reason, Lucas Goussaint, in his short time at ETSU against Chattanooga, seems to step up. He did again, 12 points, 12 rebounds, double-double for him, and then Joe Hughley off the bench nine points I am still scratching my head about Patrick Good how he has only made one field goal over the last five games but you had six different players with nine points or more and granted no one else scored when you played eight but six different options that can put up those kind of numbers and to see them all do it on one night because I'm not sure this year outside of the non-D1s we've seen everybody come together for that kind of performance we've seen a lot of individual greatness and two or three guys do it but you correct me if I'm wrong I'm not sure we've seen five or six guys do the kind of things offensively that the Bucks did on Wednesday <sighs> nothing's coming to mind yeah we're off the top of my head it's, but you're the thing about Gasson and, and I think it's an easy call to say that for this simple reason Chattanooga at least under Lamont Paris's days he's playing traditional basketball and for Goussaint, he thrives when he gets to play against traditional-type teams. You know, he's going to struggle against Citadel. He's going to tr- struggle against VMI, where they're not really going to have true five-man. They're going to run around. They're going to gimmick the defense. They're going to do all this. When you get into, okay, we're going to play what Kansas would do, half-court, man-to-man, what we're going to do, LSU comes at you. You know, what we're going to do with what Wisconsin does, what Lamont Paris wants to do. I think it's just a great matchup because they're going to play him how he's used to been played at Oklahoma State, how he's used to play in international basketball. So I think it's just a good fit. What was very encouraging to me wasn't the fact that he was able to go 6 of 7, 12 points. The fact he was able to get 12 rebounds, he got some tough rebounds. I mean, there was a lot of times in there where guys were uh, Chattanooga really going in and attacking, getting the board. And I thought they did a great job of trying to out-height ETSU. It's funny, ETSU changed the lineup and went small. And a game within a game, Chattanooga went large. They starting lineup had six, seven. They had three guys six, seven or larger. ETSU didn't have anybody over six, four except for Lucas Gasson. And so it created some problems this year with Rod Johnson. And now Matt Ryan's not particularly a tough guy when it go inside, but Johnson was able – to go in and get uh, nine early points. I think he was only averaging six or seven on the season. And he was able to score early and often. And Chattanooga did a nice job getting out. I Bucks didn't do gr- had to do a great job forcing 
turnovers and getting points off the turnovers, 18 points off 12 turnovers. I mean, pretty much uh, eight steals. They were cashing in every steal for a bucket except for one. Off the top of my head, I remember they didn't score on. The other seven, they scored very quickly off steals, and it really wasn't debatable. They attacked the rim with authority. And even the one they didn't score, they did attack the rim. They just didn't uh, weren't able to score it. So um, I thought that was the, the big thing in the first half. Then in the second half, then it was just, okay, they clamped down defensively. Trey Boyd turned into Trey Boyd, and Davian Williamson was just an animal. 14 points, 10 assists, his first career double-double as well. Here's Coach Forbes on Davian Williamson. He was incredible. He played with great pace, and the way they were guarding the ball screens, they were hedging ball screens. He was railroading ball screens and getting downhill. And what he did is when he got into paint, he made great decisions to either shoot it or dish, drive, draw, dish. Top of some other guys, he was he was really good tonight. I can't remember if this is Davian Williams or not. Let me gamble on That's it. That's something that we're very if proud not, of. We'll go back to it in a second. Davian said that coaches get on him a lot about not being aggressive, and they stay on top of him when he's getting a bit timid on the court and not taking advantage of some of the things that not only the defense gives him, but that he can just do, it seems like, on a given night. And that's the special thing about Davian Williamson, and I'll throw Bo Hodges, of course, in there as well. There are nights where, and maybe it's even more impressive for Davian, considering his size versus Bo Hodges is clearly someone that you look at him and you say, this guy can probably bully some people. He can also probably be athletic. He can do a lot of different things. Davian Williamson's so slight in his frame that he does some of the things that he does, and you're kind of blown away for a second to see just how effective he can be uh, going inside, finishing in the paint. You see the quickness, obviously. You know he can shoot it a bit, but uh, Davian really showing off the full package and distributing better than ever before against uh, Chattanooga Wednesday. Yeah, I, I think Davian – the aggressiveness and I, I was interested to hear him say that to see if he was sort of self-aware because I wanted to know or if he knew what the difference was because early in the year he was he was great I mean he was scoring 14 to 20 points a game was going strong then he had a little bit of a lull where you know it was a five point here six point there really seemed to struggle a lot of turnovers uncharacteristic of him matter of fact I thought it was impressive when he sat down Right before we went on air, he looked at me. and goes, "When did I have a turnover? I didn't have a turnover. When he was bitter tur- about it. When did this turnover happen? I didn't turn it over. So he had he's listed with ten assists, one turnover. But I found it funny that he didn't want to talk about assists, didn't want to talk about points, didn't want to talk about the one turnover that he did not commit and felt like he played absolutely clean a game as possible. Well, striving for perfection, right? Yeah, clean sheet, right? You're never going to be perfect, but striving to get there and wanting to take away your one mistake is never bad. And I, I think with Pat Good. Whatever it is going on with him not being able to score, the, I think he's won for his last 20 now. Is that, is that, I don't know if you said that or if I just made that up, but it sounds right. I think it's about right. Uh, so one for his last 20, I believe, from the floor, period. And, and that includes threes, two-point shots, layups, everything. So I, I think with him struggling, if you can add an extra score again with Williamson, him and Hodges both go uh, six for 11 each. One for 20 is right, by the way. The Bucks were seven for 11 from the free throw line. And that was – considering they gave up – a lot of free throws. I mean, 15 to 17 for chats, about as good as anybody can ask for, I believe. Uh, but ETSU really did it. Rebounding, gang rebounding, not just the 12 for Gasol. Hodges had six. Again, we saw Tisdale go in there with three offensive rebounds amongst the trees. And, boy, he's done a great job recently of just keeping the basketball alive. And so just six guys scored, which is a little strange. We're not used to that. But the five starters were all in double figures. And Joe Hughley, the six, was close with nine. The second time this year going through all the games as you're breaking down everything that the Bucks have had five double-digit scores. The other was Samford in that 88-63 to win. A couple other times they've gotten close against Western Carolina in the 85-66 triumph. And then you go all the way back to UT Martin, that 92-75 to game in which Jerome Rodriguez – had a double-double. Patrick Good got hot, hit seven threes. Uh, so with one of your guys out right now that was double figures in that game and another that is one for his last 20 from the floor, you look all the way from the beginning of the year to what is, let's see, come Sunday exactly three months later and how the dynamics have shifted a bit in terms of personnel, but the production has stayed the same. That says so much about the quality in this team from top to bottom and certainly one through eight. Here's Coach Forbes on the victory. I thought Luke kind of made the game-changing play. It was, it's, it was a combination of two things. He blocked Villa's shot at the rim. We went in transition. About six guys touched it, and Bo banged a three in the corner. 
And then our offense started to give confidence to our defense. You know, our defense gets even better and better when we're making shots. And that was the thing I was most proud of early was we just things weren't going great for us, but we were grinding. We were still hanging in there, finding a way. And, you know, our identity showed a gritty, grimy, tough team. Just continued to kind of find it, crack the code. And then second half we, we did. And you got to give them a lot of credit. They did a good job defensively, and they made some shots. And they didn't set as many ball screens in this game as they did a couple weeks ago because we were icing them. And they were just triple handoffs. Can't really ice those. And so they were getting middle inside our defense early. And I thought the credit goes to Chattanooga for that. We talked about on the show Wednesday that A.J. Caldwell probably wasn't going to have a career day again against the Bucks like he did the first time. And lo and behold, two for four, four points. Pretty quiet after his 17-point performance just two weeks ago. He was being replaced by Rod Johnson and Maurice Commander in that first half. Johnson was at his scoring average like 12 minutes in. He had seven points but only scored two the rest of the way. And then Commander, if I remember right, hit two of his first three shots, 0 for 5 after that. So it also came down to not only ETSU getting hot offensively but on the defensive end taking away those kind of outlier options that popped up in Johnson and Commander. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the defense was just outstanding in the second half. And honestly, there were times in the first half it wasn't that bad. I just think Chattanooga, number one, did a good job of knocking down shots and then doing some things that ETSU was unprepared for, as Coach Forbes said. They had prepared for one thing and a couple, you know, maybe a couple different things they do and they did a good job of switching and doing something totally different. And so I think you do have to give credit for Chattanooga to understanding, okay, what we did last time wasn't working offensively. Let's try to figure it out. Plus, defensively, they did change how they were going to guard Hodges. I think Hodges still could have been a little more aggressive, but I do think Chattanooga did a good job to try to collapse in and try to make sure they had hands reaching in to try to steal the ball away when somebody was trying to drive in the middle of the paint. Can't overlook this accomplishment for Steve Forbes and company. 20th win, the fifth consecutive season that the Bucks have gotten there for the first time in their program history. All of those under Forbes. That's something that we're very proud of, and that's a credit to all of our players and coaches that have been with us for five years to maintain that. First, to start a level of excellence and then to maintain a level of excellence, and it's hard. Winning 20 games used to be the standard. you know. Now, we play a few more games now. I looked back and looked. I think around the mid, early 2000s, people started playing more 30-plus games with tournaments. and Winning 25 is really special, and I, I think, and, we, and that's what we're averaging. So we still got a ways to go, but I think we can up the, the number this year. I was a little confused about the statement about, okay, 20 is what we used to play or go try to win, and that was pretty good. And now 25 is really that number, and, you know, that's what we're averaging. That's pretty special. But we still got a ways to go. I mean, what the ways to go, I'm not sure what that is because coming into this year, it was 100 wins exactly over the previous four years. And this year, you've still got seven regular season games to go, need just five wins in those games to get to 25. And I think that that would probably be a pretty – disappointing if not maybe slightly below average finish to this year considering how it's gone uh, I wouldn't call it a complete abject failure if you're say losing four of your last seven five of your last seven then maybe we go to that kind of talk in terms of starting the year so well and then finishing the way that they would have in that scenario but even if you only win five of the last seven that's 25 and you still got the postseason coming up and you're still one of the favorites in the Southern Conference to take the NCAA bid and you're still one of the favorites to take the postseason title and I just think that considering the stat to realize how above and beyond Coach Forbes and this team have gone with it over these five years really says a lot about him, yes, the players, but also as a leader with his coaching staff, how together they are, how they have their roles defined, and how well they play off each other regardless of who the players are. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, yeah, we got to run it up. Well, you know, we got 20, and then he starts going down this hall. I'm going – is it good? Is it bad? Yes. <laughs> I mean, 25. I'm I mean, with it. I, and I do like that he's at least acknowledging, like, okay, teams in the 70s and 80s are a little bit, and maybe even some in the 90s are hampered by the fact that you get four extra, five extra games, right? And there's a lot of teams that probably, in a lot of people's history, that had maybe 17, 18 wins. Well, if you had five more chances – then maybe they had an opportunity to get to, to 20 because they could win two or three of those. So, I mean, I do I, I do like some of that. You know, you look at the history of the Southern Conference, you know, the the longest streak because we stopped looking was College of Charleston had six straight. Davidson had five straight as well, 20 wins or more. 
Uh, and there could be more. Again, we just kind of went there when we saw six. We're like, okay, well, got to at least have two more seasons of that before we start looking for somebody else because, obviously, we know you at least don't have the record at that point. But still in a conference because there's not that many teams. Those College Charleston teams in the mid – uh, it was actually late 90s, early 2000s. They were solid teams for ETSU fans around. Of course, Davidson uh, did it a lot when ETSU wasn't in the league, and Steph Curry and those guys were there. They certainly were able to do a lot of things as well. So, uh, still accomplishment. Still got some wins to try to accomplish, including tomorrow's game down in Macon against the Mercer Bears, who just got slapped. Not to just yada yada this, because it's a big question, but you can just give 30, 45 seconds on it, and I know you want, could talk for hours and hours about it, but you've been around the program for a while. You know the history. Is this the best five-year stretch? Has Steve Forbes done a better job than any other five-year stretch well, in the it, history it, of the it, program? Programs are always judged by championships, and the Bucks went to four straight. And they've had two different other coaches take him to back-to-backs. So ETSU's only been to one tournament under Forbes so regular season you could say you can make an argument but I think ultimately people want to go to the tournament I think that's that's what it is and uh, a lot of people have not been able to catch up to the four consecutive now again it's a little bit different basketball times back then some other things uh four in a row now the Bucks have certainly been competitive they're rivaling that team uh some of those teams because of playing in the number of championship games four years in a row and doing some things like that but I I think it would be tough um, to to say that because people are just always going to go with, did you get to the tournament? And that's the the ultimate goal. Now, now is that taken away from what the regular season has done? Is it taken away from the number of wins? Is it taken away the competitiveness? Now, you tack on, let's say, two or three more years of the 20 wins or more and a couple more championship games and maybe a trip or two to the tournament, then, yes, it will be the greatest run of ETSU history right now. I think it's I think it's always going to be tough because people look at – tournament did they get to the tournament and that's unfortunately how most things are judged you talked about mercer this is kind of an uncomfortable and odd situation to be in for the bucks i don't remember a lot of times when they've had to be in this type of scenario where they lose to a team they weren't expected to lose to at home and then have to turn around and go on the road really in short order and have to do so quickly regather themselves for the same opponent it does seem like mercer is slowing down a bit just looking at how the last what three halves of basketball have gone for them they were only up nine after the first half against citadel and that was a half in which the bulldogs just shot it terribly we're two of 12 from outside and that was half of their field goal attempts were just uh, six of 12 from inside the arc so 16 percent from outside the arc and 33 percent in the half on the whole then they got really hot they shot 75 percent in the second half citadel did and went seven of ten from outside but mercer as the game opened up was able to match they ended up winning by just five so that was their sixth win in a row but then considering how tight that game was against the citadel team that is still winless in the conference they i believe oh uh, and 11 now um, and then to turn around and get dominated by Furman pretty much the full 40 minutes be down by 15 at the half and not have the uh, Dimitri Ivich blow up that he's well, done so many times, two of 13 from the field, concerning for Mercer. Well, and he missed the Citadel game with not really an explanation either. And I'm going to try to find out. Obviously, I'll talk to Rick Cameron. I believe he will tell me and we'll know pregame. But he didn't play the Citadel game. So I don't know what, and that was right after ETSU. So I don't know what happened, didn't happen, an illness, injury that maybe just crept up. He, I, I don't know if so, if it was illness or injury or something. Was there a carryover was there a realistic of like okay maybe he shouldn't have gone but he tried to go and he didn't particularly play play well it was tough to see on film really anything so i'm just curious to see what the the information is on why dimitrievich did not play there but certainly looking at his numbers uh just six of nine shooting finished with um, 18 points. Four. Against the box in that first matchup, yeah. Ah, uh, sorry, thank you. Uh, and, and so you look at how efficient he was in that one, and I think between him and the two big guys, to me it's still the big guys. You know, Dimitri Everich was averaging oh, almost 25, 26 points a game over his last six going into ETSU's game. And the Bucks held him under 20, so certainly that was an accomplishment. But watching Bafudo and watching Bender put up 24 points, I think to me was head-scratching considering they averaged a combined nine. And to your point, last game against Furman, you look at Bender, Ethan Stare, you throw him in there, and then Bafudo combined eight for 24 from the field. Yeah, and, and, the that's, and that's what they've got to be. I mean, you, you can't let Bender go six for nine, Bafudo five of five, 
And Stair, honestly, four of seven. He was one of four from three. I, th- I think, you know, maybe that those numbers aren't as bad. But he had 15 rebounds. I mean, he was all over the place. So, uh, and just had 11 points. So, I thought they did a decent job on Stair. But Benner and Bafuto cannot go off for the 24 points in this matchup against ETSU. I, I think it's going to be uh, very bad for the Bucks if they cannot slow them down. Now, the Paladins got the kind of effort that ETSU got uh, in their last game, you know, kind of total team effort to be able to run away with the game. Gurley, Lyons, Lawson, Mounts, and Bothwell all were in double figures. You know, again, to have five in double figures um, is not something that you see every day. And for them to be able to do that and for the Bucks to be able to do that going into Chattanooga and coming away with that 16-point win, uh, I was very interested to hear how convicted Coach Forbes was after the game and when talking about Mercer uh, saying that, we're going to be ready to play. You know, he'll often kind of just float that out there, but there won't be a lot of uh, determination in his voice. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be ready to play because I think he always has the Bucks up and ready to play with the exception of maybe a game or two here and there in some adverse circumstances like NDSU after Citadel, right? I mean, that just a strange set of circumstances where you're gone for what seemed like weeks at a time and you have to go up to the frigid north and there's a college football playoff game, uh, same day, so on and so forth. But he really spoke and we don't have the bite uh, because he was talking about a couple different things and talking about firing up the Wi-Fi on the bus and going to scenic making and such but basically the gist of it was the energy in his voice makes me feel like he's really out to put this win in the distant rearview mirror and really make sure that there is no doubt in not only his players minds fans minds but if you're talking about committees everywhere that'll be voting on certain things come uh, NCAA tournament time, and if it's not the NCAA tournament, maybe it's the NIT. That would also be not to take away any thought that there is an NCAA tournament at large coming, but if you don't get that, the NIT is still a pretty good accomplishment, and you'll definitely go there, and you want to get to the Garden. That's a great stage to have that tournament championship be on national TV, so on and so forth, uh, get the program exposure. So I think that this is going to be, from the start of this contest, a fiery, energetic ETSU team, not only because of what Coach Forbes sounded like, but because this team, and you could hear it when Davian Williamson was talking post-game, they want perfection. They want to be the best. And this is going to be fresh in their minds, and it's not going to sit too well with them. The fact that they lost by 16, put up 55 points, and the Bears kind of dominated down the stretch when they put the game away. Um, I'm excited to see this performance from ETSU because I think it's going to be one to remember. I, I agree, and they've always played fairly well down there. Uh, all the teams, rather, it was Coach Bartow or um, Steve Forbes. I think they've done a good job of going to Mankin and winning games down in the University Center. And I have a feeling, same thing, that they will be able to do so, and I think a good quick start would help the mindset out there as well. And maybe Trey Boyd continues to be Trey Boyd as it continues to go. But, again, I think we got to stop the big guys for the Mercer Bears. So that's a look at our men's basketball recap and preview 4:30 tip time there again we'll transition from the end of the women's game into the men's game but we'll have all the exciting action of etsu men's basketball for you tomorrow as well bold predictions and we'll put the wraps on the show for this time out from sandos and the sidekick on the buccaneer sports network life is all about perfect pairings sweet and salty naughty and nice hot and cold well add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add quick cash to your next tennessee cash play Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England and get released by New England and go to online college, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. Oh, I can't wait. So excited for bold predictions. What am I winning again by? Give me some time to get there. Oh, it's getting slow. Getting slower on the draw here. The motivation is waning. 18 to 15. Okay. You're ahead. We've each predicted 67 times. And you've gotten 18 right. I've gotten 
15 right. We each got one right last week, which, thankfully for me, that broke a really long streak of not getting anything right. It had been weeks. I have to turn the page to see how long it had been. I was at one point 13 of 51, and now I'm 15 of 67. I'm two for my last 16. Oh, you're doing great. Hitting a buck 25 just, just over going. the last. That might be this year, this calendar year. I think those two align. 2020, not my season. I do not have 2020 vision. Okay. Well, you get to go first because you're the loser. Uh, well, going off last segment, I think this is an easy one. 90 or more points for ETSU men's basketball versus Mercer. All right, I'm going to go. They flip it. So ETSU lost by 16. They will win by 16 or more against Mercer. So we're on the same page there. ETSU women's basketball. Ty Kimbrough not only returns, career high in points. Oh, I love it. Career high right now is 11. I thought about Micah Sheets and saying something about a career high for her. She struggles with athletic teams. It has been 700. And 51 days, yes, I looked it up, since Gonzaga has lost a regular season conference basketball game. Wow. January 18th of 2018, and Deja Vu strikes. St. Mary of the Maryton will defeat Gonzaga and break the long win streak. Go. Hmm. I guess it has to be bold, but if there's one team that's going to do it, it's St. Mary's. Is it even bold to say that Virginia and Louisville combined for less than 100 points? No, because Virginia can't even score 50. So. How about 90? Oh, yeah, that'd be bold. Okay, Louisville and Virginia, 90 or less. So oh. ETSU men's basketball is going to score. There it is. ETSU men's basketball outscores both teams combined. Bob himself, the I love it. Game. That's a good yes. one. That's a good one. So those are two separate, 90-plus, and then the – so I'm kind of doubling down. Yeah, all right, so you, you got a two-for-one there. My lifelong fandom of the Tampa Bay Vipers is going to show here. As they're going to defeat the Tampa Bay Vipers. They're going to defeat your New York Guardians in the XFL opener Sunday, 2 p.m. That's back huh? the XFL. on Fox. Yeah, um, my, my, technically my Orlando Rage, which I did cover the first year, the only year of the XFL, is no longer set to go. Somebody close. Tampa Bay Vipers. My Vipers. So, 15 points or more W over the Guardians. Why was I an AAF guy and you're an XFL guy now? It's strange that we each had a league. Now I, mine's defunct. I, I enjoy wrestling more than you did. I, I, it's really because I covered the XFL. I legitimately covered the Orlando Rage the first to go around. <laughs> legitimately used very loosely. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, but I was paid to go to the games and cover it. So. Full prediction, the XFL survives the weekend. Yes, it will. All right. Next week, Mega News Network. See ya.